Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello and welcome to a new episode of It's a Groom's Life. Today with me I have Ruby Butchers who is a blogger and um, is going to talk about like her ex-racer and the journey that she's had. So hi Ruby, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Anytime. Um, so if you don't mind um, introducing yourself a bit more, telling us um, about your equine journey, um, like when did you start getting into horse riding and telling us more about your blog? Yeah, definitely. So um, my journey into horses is quite similar to most people's. Um, as a kid, I was super into horses. I always joke about the fact that I come from a horsey family, but it skipped both my parents. So my mum's dad was super into horse racing. He used to take me to all the studs as a kid. And my dad's from New Zealand and his family either had horses, his uncle bred race horses. So as a family, super horsey, but neither of my parents are interested. <laughs> That's always quite funny. But um, yeah, so I started at riding schools. I think I was about six when I started. And I was there up until the age where friends started having horses and ponies I could share. Um, started riding mostly ex-race horses by the age of sort of 14, 15. I was helping friends and sharing ex-race horses. And that's around the sort of time I was finishing school, trying to decide what I wanted to do next. And actually went to uni to do equine science. Purely because I was there, like, I don't know what I want to do. I know I want to go to uni. And equine science seems like a quite a good option it's something I'll be interested in and it's a science degree at the end of the day so I specialized in breeding and stud so there's lots of stuff I'm interested in like lots of genetics lots of biomechanics lots of sort of exercise physiology all the sort of really sciencey bits I'm quite interested in but very specific to horses mm. after my first year at uni I um, was surrounded by people who had their own horses at uni my lecturers all had horses so I decided to buy my first horse and that's when I bought my ex-race horse Highland Rain. So him, he'd been out of racing a year when I bought him, but I bought him from a point to point trainer. So he'd been out of racing a year, but still very much treated like a racehorse. And um, when we went back to uni with him, we really started on his sort of retraining. And one of our projects at uni at the time was thinking about what you want to do after university and sort of creating a bit of a portfolio didn't necessarily have to be what you definitely wanted to do afterwards, but really trying to get that thinking of what you're going to do next. And at the time I thought, well, I'm really enjoying my retraining him. I'm really enjoying a lot of the sort of um, training type lectures I was going to. So I started sort of blogging as a bit of portfolio about retraining Scotty and what we are learning in our lectures. And that's when I sort of created my Equi Pepper blog. And that was back in, 2015 so seven years later it's now just a blog entirely by itself um I like to think we're a bit different in that in the sense that I really enjoy all the sciencey stuff so I try and write quite a few scientific article type things for sort of summarizing the latest news the latest research so quite enjoying all of that as well but um yeah I've loved it I've had I've been able to see some great things I've been to badminton Burley and Olympia all as press I've attended like product launches with companies. It's just been a fantastic experience. And even though it's not a full-time job, it's just opened so many doors as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So 
your blog now is it all done like via social media or do you have a website that people go to to read about your blogs and stuff so it's definitely website first so my my, my social media is quite small in comparison but um i think it's about 80 to 90 percent of my website traffic comes directly from places like google so i think because the sort of content i write is a bit different so perhaps look what i'm doing with my horse mm. i get lots of seo value so i get lots of people searching for stuff and my articles tend to answer those questions for them so it's it's almost a bit more like an informative website at times where I occasionally talk about me and my horse oh great and it also helped like other students I guess if they're or even just general horse owners who want to learn about sort of if they've got an injury that they're dealing with at the minute and you know you know what's happening and what ways they can help their horses so it's it's probably a good uh, training tool and a good just having that information there from someone else's perspective yeah definitely like whenever I'm trying to like market it like anyone asks me if you could sum it up it's it's really ex-racehorse focused but the idea being that we want to have stuff to help every horse owner like I fully believe that the horse industry is still a little bit backwards there's so much research out there we know and it could really improve how we manage our horses but people don't seem to be using it so it's almost making all this really great facts we have really digestible. So the average horse owner can just quickly search a question into Google and get a really easy answer, not just telling them things they could be doing with their horse, but also why. Yeah. And what sort of articles are on there? What sort of things have you talked about or, or researched about? So really everything, um, anything from like um, common injuries, I did quite a bit about breeding. So there's like a four step guide on if you want to think about breeding your horse. So there's things like how to get started. Should you even be breeding from your mare? Um, I probably talk about quite a few controversial topics and in the hope that really making people think if it's the right thing to do. Um, so sort of take you through the steps. There's tips on buying your first horse, um, some great pole exercises, the training, common injuries, um, different types of colic laminitis and laminitis and obesity are big ones for me um i regularly read articles about how obesity is one of the biggest killers of horses in, in this country and how mm. as as like an industry we are so used to seeing fat horses that we're almost scared to see a skinny horse i had it very recently i had to sort of like shake myself up a little bit um scotty for the first time this winter dropped weight he's always a fat horse always has fat pockets being a thoroughbred, he dropped a little bit of weight and you could instantly see his ribs. And I was there panicking, going, oh, God, I've got to start feeding him more. I've got to do this, got to do that. And then I sat back and looked at him and went, you're still fat. Yeah. You're in perfect condition. And we had a nutritionist out very recently as well. And she confirmed exactly what I was saying. She said, he's still a five. He's a very light five, but he's still a five. Yeah. And it's that we're so used to seeing these fat horses that as soon as one looks a little bit ribby or a little bit light, we panic. And yeah, it's just trying to change people's opinions a little bit. Um, always happy to talk about something a bit controversial as well. I, I don't think it's a bad thing to talk about things that people don't necessarily want to hear, but I think it's important that that information to be out there. Yeah. I mean, especially with the spring grass starting to come through now, you know, laminitis is probably at its, or prone to be its peak time, like it's yeah. now when the spring grass is coming through. So if people do have a laminatic horse and have dealt with it before, they normally have, they know the horse well enough and know what how to manage it. Yeah. Um, but like with your like um, experience and stuff like that and things that you've written about, what are your sort of tips and that to deal with laminitis? 
mine is very much like I've been quite lucky I've gone to some great seminars with vets and experts and I think we have a bit of a danger in this country of going oh it's just laminitis a takeaway I had from one of these seminars was we should take take, like treat every case of laminitis like an emergency like you would colic Mm. I think I remember growing up always being ponies who'd go oh yeah they're a bit laminitic but it's okay when actually we shouldn't be treating it like that obviously you don't necessarily need to be getting the vet out every single time your horse is a bit foot sore mm. but it's definitely that we should be acting quicker and while you might not need to get the vet out you should definitely be phoning your vet up to talk about it yeah. if you have a pony or horse what's like it every year then it might you might behave slightly differently but especially if this is the first time your pony's had it it should be treated like an emergency yeah definitely and um and the other things that you were talking about was um, uh, diet and nutrition and things like that. And again, like generally horses tend to do drop weight during the winter. Um, um, and then obviously, like we've just said, with the spring grass coming through in the spring and summer, they tend to put weight on. And then you're sort of battling, thinking, right, I need to make sure I stay on top of the weight. <laughs> and then in the winter, you're trying to fatten them up all the time. It's like a constant, like... Um, diet that you're always, like a yo-yo yeah, diet yeah. that you're always trying to deal with aren't you so yeah tricky. nutrition wise what do you sort of suggest for like nutrition so obviously every horse is different every need is completely different um obviously you've got to think about the sugars and stuff as well um what's your experience on that so in my mostly dealing with thoroughbreds I still like a really really basic diet um when it, whenever, whenever anyone asks me opinion I'm always there like forage get as much forage in it as you can as possible whether it's grass hay haylage grass nuts just make sure they've constantly got access especially if they're a poor doer um and then i just my personal preference is always topping up the balancer so scotty's an incredibly good doer and i'm lucky he has locale balancers all year round with a bit of chaff and that does him fine um i've got friends and ponies and stuff where we tend to top the balancer up with maybe a bit of um, bit more forage or a bit of speedy beat to try and add the calories in that way. And it was quite interesting having some conversations with a nutritionist recently as well. And I've heard quite a few people of going, oh, I can't feed balancers. They send my horse loopy. Mm. And I've heard so many people thinking about it. You start questioning whether it's the filler there might be in the balancer. When you read the back of pa- packets and stuff, quite often they look like they have quite high starch and sugar content. But actually, when you look at the amount you feed, it's still less than most of the feeds and this nutritionist I was speaking to she thinks a lot of it is so many horses aren't fed enough vitamins nutrients if they're fed like a compound feed they might not be fed the full amount if especially if they don't need the calories so they aren't getting those things and when you start feeding a balancer suddenly they're getting everything they need and they just feel really really well so the loopy behavior isn't something sending them silly it's just they're getting everything they need and that was quite interesting. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? That actually does make sense. And um, obviously, like generally, thoroughbreds are a much slender looking horses anyway. Quite often you might see a little bit of ribs or hips and stuff, but that is the, the type of breed, isn't it? It doesn't mean that yeah. they're necessarily, you know, thin or, you know, neglected or anything. It's just the shape that they are, as in a cob generally is quite a chunky, you know, stocky type breed, isn't it? It's, everything is different. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that, um, you know, they can't still get fat, like you say, fat pockets or 
you know, even, you know, looking at, like I say, a copy horse when they're chunky doesn't necessarily mean that they can't get underweight either. No, exactly. And I think part of the problem we see with horses, what typically look underweight is actually they're undermuscled. I think that's a big part of the problem. I think it's probably a case of chunkier types of horse we see, either they're better at, ca- at holding onto their muscle or they tend to get fat in places where other horses tend to carry muscle. Mm. And a lot of the time, so many horses I see, especially thoroughbreds, people asking what conditions my horse in, I need to feed it up. And you look at the horse and you go, actually, fat wise, they're fine. They're just, they've lost top line or they haven't got enough muscle on their hind end. That seems to be the bigger issue. Mm. And the amount of calories in the world isn't going to change that. They need good quality protein. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I mean, I work on, on a riding school and you do notice obviously like the older horses, the ones that have retired and stuff, you know, you do notice that their condition dropped off quite quickly and you then worry thinking, Oh my God, they look terrible because, you know, like you say, they don't have a top line, you know, their um, hind looks really caved in and stuff. But in fact, probably they're not actually looking as bad as what we think they do. They probably look bad, but like you say, they've lost muscle, not necessarily weight. Yeah. And I think that's one of the hardest things to get through to people as well. And it's um, we're so lucky that there's so many companies what send out nutritionists to the yard for free. And I really think more people should utilise that because they're the ones that will come out and tell you exactly where your horse is fat, exactly where they're thin, exactly where they need more muscle. And I think it really just puts people's minds at ease and really helps you understand what's going on. You can look at as many charts as you want to online about body condition scoring. But unless you've sort of had any sort of training or have done it before it's so hard to apply that to your horse like even I sometimes sit there and I'm looking at the charts and looking at Scotty and I'm there like I can't decide if you're a four or a five Mm. and it's yeah you sometimes just need an expert to come in and when there's always free advice out there I think more people should be taking that up yeah knowledge is power isn't it exactly (laughs) so let's talk about your horse then um like how old is he how long have you had him like tell us everything about your horse yeah so scotty i've had him uh eight years now i think yeah so he's 14 this year had him eight years we've had quite an up and down time so first sort of three four years were great um we had a tendon injury probably about four years ago now his right his right front leg um it was quite hard to diagnose he was occasionally ever so slightly lame. We're talking sort of one tenth lame on a hard circle, only on the right rein. Every every other time he was sound. So it was really, really like small. He had so much investigation and eventually found like a tiny tear over his navicular bursa. Um, loads of different treatments. We tried steroid injections. We tried um, like a plasma injection where they take a blood sample, spin it round and re-inject it. Mm-hmm didn't really see any sort of improvement in him but again it's so hard to tell because he was so minorly lame in the first place but actually had a loss of use claim on him because after 18 months of trying all these different things resting him trying to bring him back into work and sort of him going slightly wrong again my vet basically turned around and said he won't jump again which was the aim the aim was to do a bit of venting with him um so he's had more time off um but now he's looking absolutely fantastic like so I think we're about two years on from his loss of use claim but he's feeling the best he's ever had he's just had a steroid injection in one hock because just after Christmas he went a bit lame and we thought arthritis x-rays show some teeny tiny changes nothing in the other leg 
But again, he, it's almost like he's had this hot problem for years, but because he's not been lame, we've not, not picked it up. Yeah. But he just yeah feels absolutely incredible. And everyone's I've got friends who've known him since the day I got him and they can't believe the difference in him. Um, we're back up to cantering and he's still sound. So um, hopefully this is it now. Oh, <laughs> now that's amazing. I mean, it's a long journey, but it sounds like a really good journey to have. And it's yeah. just about, it's the slow process. And sometimes you feel like it's really frustrating. Sometimes you feel like you're not getting anywhere or not achieving anything. And then once you sort of start seeing the progression, or if you've taken like videos from the beginning and then yeah. them a few months later and you see how much you've actually progressed, it's like, oh, actually, we have come quite far. And I'm so lucky as well because he's such an easy character. Like, he's the sort of one where you cannot sit on him for six months, bring him in, and you can just get on, and he'll be good as gold. So it's, it's easy to give him time off. He's not silly about it, and you can get back on and know you're not really going to have any trouble. So that always makes it easier. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so um, I wanted to sort of use this part of the um, episode to have it as like an open platform for you to talk about anything that you wanted to talk about. If you know any promotions um, of like any brands that you work with or anything like that, or just any subjects that you want to talk about, this is your open space to talk about anything you like. Oh, lovely. Um, <laughs> I think it's got to be X Racehorses then. Like um, my whole blog and social media all started on the back of trying to improve the reputation of X Racehorses. I regularly get asked so many questions about them and I just think it's a type of horse more and more people should be embracing. Um, there are issues. I think a lot of these issues stem from the fact that they are quite cheap to pick up, which means complete novices can pick them up, which isn't necessarily a problem. But there's different things in racing that are so different to normal riding. Um, they probably aren't exercised by themselves. They're not used to being tied up outside the stable. They probably haven't been trained to stand as a little mountain block. Even down to little differences like um, if you watch jockeys ride, they shorten the reins when it's time to go and they drop them when they finish. Like All these key little differences are quite different to how you'd ride your average riding school pony, for example. So it's when these people are coming from very limited knowledge and buying them, if they haven't got that support structure around them, they're at such a risk of things just going horrifically wrong. And then the horse gets labelled as dangerous and gets passed on again. Mm. And me, that's a big part of the reason they've got a bad reputation. Like obviously there's gonna be, it's hard to say there's bad horses, but there's always gonna be like a few bad eggs in any breed, any type. But yeah. in my opinion, the vast majority of horses I've known, it's people have ruined them rather than them being bad horses. So it's always quite nice to get a chance to talk about racehorses and x-race horses. And yeah. we've got Babington about to start as well. And there's a horse competing for the ROR prize. So when you've got a horse going around Babington, it used to race. It's hard to argue that they're not good horses. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that the important thing, in my opinion, is when you do get a new horse, regardless of what it is, if it's an x-race or anything, I think just doing loads of groundwork at the beginning um you know from you know just so you've got bonding time with them um and you, you know you get to know each other a little bit more you get to know each other's personalities a little bit more what works what doesn't work um and i'm i'm sort of a bit of a believer of doing groundwork first before obviously you want to write to you know keep you know keep the conditions up and, you know and stuff like that but i think it's really important to do lots of groundwork at the beginning as well Oh, completely. And during Scotty's rehab, I've been so converted into long reining in particular. 
like I've always long reined a little bit but never done a huge amount of it but when I was trying to keep the weight off his leg I wanted to keep him working but not have the weight of me sitting on his back so mm. we did so much long reining and with all the new sort of online dressage you can do now as well I found a few websites we did online dressage but long reining mm. so we were doing long reining tests and getting judged as if you were a dressage test and it was a fantastic way to keep yourself motivated because I think I personally find the danger of groundwork is it's easy to get lazy of groundwork. It's, it's not so easy to get lazy of riding. Yeah. But yeah, having something to work towards with your groundwork really helps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I always finish off each episode with some quick fire questions. So generally, are you a night in or a night out person? Oh, definitely a night in. I'm too tired to go out now. <laughs> I, honestly I say this on every episode every episode everyone says 19 I don't even know why I bother asking the question <laughs> I think I might have to it's take it out got horses. yeah got horses. I'll be up in the morning <laughs> um although horsey people when we do go out we do like a good night out it's just not often <laughs> yeah. it's um you need to like plan in advance <laughs> yeah yeah That's can't it. do the spontaneous nights out no uh tea or coffee coffee uh, wellies, wellies or heels oh this is a tricky one because i love country boots i hate wellies not a welly girl oh okay well country boots is fine we can go with country boots cool. we'll do that uh sweet or savory sweet uh book or film oh ordinarily i would say book but i'm not really reading at the moment so i guess i'd have to say film are there any films at the minute that you've seen or would recommend or any what like what's your favorite film i watch everything and, every, and anything um to the point where if i go see a film and say it's good my family say it means nothing because i like everything <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm not allowed to recommend films because apparently i like everything even if it's rubbish <laughs> you're just appreciating you know you're appreciating the work that they've produced well, I know. <laughs> um okay and then lastly where can people find you like your social media your website everything tell us where we can find you cool so i'm pretty much everywhere so my website's equipepper.com instagram's equipepper facebook's equipepper twitter is a bit different the ruby pepper but um i think if you type in equipepper anywhere you'll find me I seem to be taking over a little bit. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on, um, Ruby. I really appreciated it. Um, I, and thank you for telling us all about your blogs and subjects you talk about and about your horse and everything. So thank you so much. Oh, no, it was lovely coming on. It was, um, it's gone really quick, actually, as well. Yes, it's absolutely flown by this one. Um, <laughs> and as always, guys, if you love this episode, which I'm sure you will, please tag Ruby and I into your social medias. We'd love to know that you're listening. And I'll speak to you all on the next episode. If you listen to this episode, I really hope you enjoyed it as I did making it. If you um, like to follow me on socials, my um, Instagram is Cobbs Equine Services and the same on Facebook, Cobbs Equine Services. Um, if you are listening to this on your um, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, I really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people. And I will speak to you all on the next episode.